like 86 years old. Smashing videos on TikTok. Unbelievable. Hey, it's Ryan from Skid Steer Nation, and welcome back for another episode of the Skid Steer Nation podcast. Today's episode is brought to you by none other than Skid Steer Nation. If you've ever been looking for attachments and you're unsure if the manufacturer makes high quality products or if, if it's going to do what you what they say it's going to do or if the customer service is good in the background and you kind of scratch your head, we have taken all of that guesswork out for you. We have interviewed the manufacturers. We have tested the quality of the attachments. And we only partner with small family-owned American manufacturers that make high-quality products. So if you're looking for skid steer attachments, jump on over to skidsteernation.com. And if you've been enjoying this podcast, please make sure to subscribe and share. It um, just kind of tells me that we're doing the right thing and you guys are enjoying the content we're putting out. Well, with no further ado, today's guest is Benjamin McKenna. He's from down in Mississippi. He's the owner of a company called Warrior Land Management. He's still in his 20s. He's a military veteran. He's got a baby that's less than a year old at home. And we're excited to have him on the show. Benjamin, welcome. How you doing? Great to be here. Good, man. Good. So yeah, how is it owning a business with a, with a, with a young baby at home? It's different. Uh, see, last year and the year before, before that, I could work more, uh, do more things, be away longer. But now, um, obviously, you'd be home more, which is just fine. I enjoy being home with her. And uh, just different obstacles you don't foresee. Uh, say, like, my wife works, so my baby gets sick i take care of <laughs> so yep. less me being out in the field i've learned from that but um it's just different things to learn when you get a child how has it affected your drive like are you more driven than ever to go work and and pro- pro- make a big company that can support and provide for your family more now that you have a child than you were when it was just you and your wife yes the drive has grown and it's also made me more efficient. Um, you know, uh, say she's in daycare, so babies in daycare get sick all the time. So I've learned, like, hey, let's not put it off to the next day. Let's go ahead and knock it out because tomorrow I may not be here. I'm, I may not can come back and help you all and finish this. And so let's go ahead and do it now while we have the time. You know, let's not get off at three o'clock or four o'clock or whatever. I mean, I like to work throughout the day. Yeah, finish finish the project if you can, get it off the books because tomorrow's an unknown. Right, right. Gotcha. So you started this back in 2019. So you're just about three years into the business. How'd yeah, you get started? I uh, so I used to run a nursery. In Oxford, Mississippi, I enjoyed it a lot. Loved it. Uh, but uh, it's not like I didn't like working for anybody. I, I really enjoyed it, but I wasn't making good money. So I uh, deployed in 18, and in 19, we came back. And while still overseas, I was like, you know what? No matter what, I'm going to make money for myself. So while I was over there, I created the LLC and started 
trying to find jobs. And I had my first fence job before I even came back to the state of Mississippi. So, uh, well, fence job to look at. We, we hadn't sure. finalized anything yet. But um, yeah. so came back, uh, started fence. We got into lawn maintenance a lot. And for other companies, it may work for them. For our area, you just have to have, to have a lot of volume. Mississippi's very spread out. It's not like a tight, tight city. So I slowly started getting away from that, started doing more fence, more fence, more fence, and was eventually full-time fence. And that's when we got our, um, we had a lease skid steer. And then I was like, all right, well, it's time to buy one. So we bought, uh, bought a mulcher with it and um, full-time fencing with skid steer now. We, we've been doing full-time fencing for two-plus years now, really awesome. almost three. So when you bought the skid steer and decided to get the mulching head for it, did you plan that those two kind of went side and side together? Like, if you put fence in, we can clear fence rows and we can clear pastures. Like, we can offer more services to the same customer? Or what was your mindset? I have an uncle who has recently sold a large mulching company, uh, Mako Forestry, out of Foley, Alabama. And he had been doing it for 20-plus years before, I mean, half the cats that have been mulching wherever around, he's been doing it. I would say he's probably one of the pioneers. And he always taught me that fencing and spraying and mulching go together. Those three. Now, people don't see it, but they do. So um, we started fencing, and I was like, well, really what made me for sure want a mulcher is I had someone clear lanes with a dozer. And if you've ever worked behind someone who doesn't know how to operate a dozer, it is a complete mess, um, especially in Mississippi when the ground table, the water table is so low. Like, I mean – Two or three feet, you're hitting groundwater. So I said, instead of a dozer, I want to mulcher. I want to clean it off. I'm not disturbing the soil that much. Uh, and then I can put the fence in the way I want. But he he taught me all those things to like say, hey man, you put the fence up or you mulch, you put the fence up, and then you can hit them again with spraying. And that's for 20 years down the line. You know, you could keep spraying for 20 plus years however long that customer has that property no and i think that's really wise like your uncle figured it out the old school way he's passing that knowledge on to you everyone should have a mentor or somebody in their life that they can bounce ideas off in this business but he's correct like you have to find services that complement each other because it's a lot less expensive to do a second job for an existing customer than it is to continually find new customers Correct. And most of my customers now, I'd say 90% are repeat customers now, or uh, if they're not repeat customers, it's someone locally. Now I've traveled barely any anymore. Uh, it's, you know, Billy Bob will say, Hey man, you built a fence for yeah. Tebo and, you know, I need you over here. And now it, it's, you get text every day. Hey man, I need a section added here. You just, 
it's much easier now than it was when I started. You you made a comment that made me really wonder. Like, so you're overseas, you're deployed. Thank you for your service, by the way. Oh, thank you. And you start an LLC, and you said you already lined up some estimates while overseas before you got back. Yeah, I know guys that have a hard time lining up estimates in their own backyard. You're doing it from across the pond. How how did you find those people that were interested in your services? Like, what was your marketing strategy being that you weren't even in Mississippi at the time? Oh, I scoured Craigslist, Facebook. I, I spent hours, um, just different sites, um, forums, you know, the, the first fence was for a, uh, older couple and they had, they had posted something in a forum and I knew they were near me. And then I saw they post again on Facebook and, uh, it was a little difficult correlate the time with them to talk with them, but I did and said, Hey, look, if you can wait, I can give you a good product for a, a cheap price because my first one, I'm not going to hit you hard at all. If I look back now, it, it's crazy cheap, crazy cheap. But that was my first one. First awesome. commercial fence. I'd been building fence because I grew up on a ranch my entire life, but never for someone for money. Yeah. No. And I think that, you know, I think that's the maturation process. I mean, anyone who gets into business, especially offering a service that isn't like you don't buy a product and then sell it for a little bit of a markup and like all that pricing's figured out for you. You guys are doing a service. And if you've never went in there and figured out time, labor materials and all that, I don't know anyone who ever hits it on the nose the first time out. And I tell them I'm like, you have to have some misses because that's how you learn. Like you didn't fail. You just learned how not to do it. Yeah. 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 Because it's just, it's the only, and if those are the memories that stick, like I could tell you what to do and you're like, all right, cool. Thanks. You fail. You don't forget it. Yeah. That's that's not happening again. Like you talk about this guy who got you for 20 K and not having a contract. I have a feeling your entire process has changed since that experience entire process and i can just say his initials and my employees are like oh man i hated that job that was horrible um yeah it was so give it give give me give us a brief recap on the job that you did and then the experience the issue that you ran into because of it all right so we had fairly large job um about my second biggest and I'd, I'd given him a contract I'd given him an estimate he accepted it uh we changed up a little bit on pricing I was still really low back then but um we had started doing all this prep work on his fence got everything ready um and I had had to basically build a bridge out of material that was there so I spent about a week building a makeshift bridge so we could cross it and get everything done. Um, And at the end of the job, he was like, I'm not going to pay for that week of labor that you did. Um, I said, okay. Um, 
he wasn't going to pay for the culverts that I put in for it as well. And wasn't going to pay for that. Uh, the labor, nothing. He just wasn't going to do it. My contract didn't really have it where I could go after him because I, I didn't, I just, I wasn't good at contracts yet. Um, yeah. So he got me good. He got me really good. Uh, how much did he get you for? How much, how much money did you lose on that, that deal? <laughs> Roughly 16 to $20,000. And it hurt. Cause I made sure that all my guys were paid, but it, it came out of my pocket. So yeah, it, it was bad. Man still owes me money today, but uh, I didn't go after him. I was very new in the business. He was very wealthy. And in my mind, uh, he had the financial backing to make it where he can never pay me. And I couldn't, uh, I did put a lien on his property, but it was a pasture. He's never going to build on it. He's not going to do anything with it. He's never going to sell it. So I'm out of pocket. <laughs> so how, how did that, what did you do to change your contract? Did you work on the contract yourself? Did you go work with an attorney? No, I found uh, near me, there is a fencer. He's not really widely known. Um, he doesn't advertise that much, but he is a massive, massive fencer. Um, goes all over the country. I'd say he's probably one of the top 10 in the country. He's a great guy to deal with. Um, I went to him. I said, man, this is what happened. I need your help. And he gave me one of his contracts for a job. Um and the deposit on the job was like $180,000. That's one of his smaller jobs. And I was like, man, I want to be where you're at. So I was reading through the contract and he had spent hours and hours and hours on it. And it was amazing, amazing. And he let me read through it and, and copy it. And from there, I redid mine. And then every other customer after that, one bad customer, I've added something to it, like, or taken away or, you know, uh, different things for different people. Because so does, it, does it have a section in there that allows you for like a, a work order for a change of work? Yes, definitely. That's the biggest and, thing a lot of guys miss in their contracts is having some sort of written language to say, hey, yeah. this is what the bid was. This is what the project consists of. But once we get in there and if they, if everything isn't the way we discussed, there's got to be a work order change. Well, and his is his is literally nickel and dime every single piece, every staple, every tie, no matter what. It's in that guy's contract, and that's what I had to do because customers were nickel and dime and me and you get 50 customers doing that, man, you're losing so much money. Adds up fast. Yeah. And so 2020 was a hard, hard year for us, but I learned, I, I say I got to earn a bachelor's degree on contract writing from that one customer. <laughs> and again, man, the school hard knocks gives the best degrees because uh, they're terrible. memorable. You went to the university of Mississippi, right? I did. Yes. How much, do you, how, much do you, how much do you remember from, from taking those classes in college? Not much. No. I learned more from running the nursery that I ran. Yeah, that school hard knocks lesson on that contract is going to stick with you for life, and 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 you will be a better business owner because of it. 
Yes. Yes, of course. You talk about like one of the things that you were wanting to discuss today was like bidding jobs a little bit and all that. So how, what is your process like being more, do you do the same type of bidding structure for agricultural fencing as you do for your mulching or do you bid them completely different manners? Uh, mulching is a lot of people like by the hour, but to me, it sells yourself short because why, why should I get punished for being faster than someone else? Uh, so I like to do by the job and I know what it should take to get it done. And then I add a certain percentage on top. So I'm not getting screwed if something I don't see happens. Uh, fencing, I go out there, I walk the line, I measure everything. I don't measure it with a roller that used to take hours. Um, everything's apt now. I mean, it's, I can pretty much see it one time and then price it from my kitchen table. That's, yes. Yeah. yeah. Cause you can actually it, use Google maps, I believe, and then use some sort of an app to measure distances from there. Can't you? Yeah, well, that fencer that I was talking about, he showed me a program. It's a fantastic GPS program. It works with a Garmin GPS. I mean, it, it's awesome. But all those points you set in gets on this program, and then you're done. I mean, it's it's so more accurate than anything app-based. Um, and then I put it in the invoice and send it to them. They accept it. They don't. Mm-hmm. If they accept it, that's when I send the contract. This is what you got. And it's for every customer. I mean, each contract is different per customer. So do you find being that you're using more technology in your bidding process? Are you oh, le- are you leaps and bounds ahead of your competitors as far as the bidding and estimating process, time savings in that front end process? I would say so. I still see some guys using um, paper and they've got these formulas down. So if they go to a house and they're doing a fence, I'm sure it's easy like that. But when I'm using 50 times their materials, I'm not going to sit there and do it on paper. Um, Just calculate it. You get rough estimates um, and send it to them. Now, when I use material, if I don't use all the material that I bought for that customer, then I just credit it back to their account. They know that. Um, so I'm never out there screwing your customer. Either. Right. You know, hey, I just got 50 yeah. posts for it. I've just found that in today's world, we have taken technology and integrated it in so many areas of our life to make our life easier. I mean, our computing power of our phone has more computing power than Bill Clinton had at his fingertips as a president in the 90s. It's Where are you sitting how- right now? Yeah, it's baffling for what we're talking about, right? But yet all yeah. these contractors, they don't incorporate that technology to minimize some of the workflow in their business and to become more efficient. Just like you're talking about using apps and GPS services and all that to to do your bidding and processing, like that saves you, if that saves you an hour a job and you do 200 estimates a year, that's 200 hours. I mean, that's five to six weeks worth of work just in yeah. time savings. And and I really I really push everybody to go, "Hey, go through your business. What's taking more time than it should? 
Because I'll guarantee you there's something out there that can help you reduce that time in today's world. Yeah. Yeah. It travel used to be a big one. And now I've known in the area now that I don't have to travel as much, but that, that used to be a real big one travel for me. Uh, would you travel out to every potential customer to look at the property and do an estimate? Sometimes. And then sometimes not say they're just, you know, Hey, I want to fence around my 40. All right. It's easy. I get on the land glide or on X, whichever one you want to use, map it out. Boom. Done. Yep. It, it, yeah. It's simple. Yeah. We've, we've really, we're talked to a lot of guys and we really, and the ones that are doing that, I'm like, you've got to start figuring out a pre-qualification process for that initial phone call. You got to dig deeper with the questions that you ask to really understand the scope of the project, the, the rush, the need, how quick they want it done. Yeah. And then, and then yes. just kind of, I always say, give a, give a budget range like hey without seeing it this project could be anywhere from thirty five hundred dollars to six grand we can dial it in on site because if they go oh man i was only hoping for a thousand bucks like you just saved yourself three hours right right uh get it lots i can do a lot like that you know they the old way of fencing is you know they charge 75 cents a foot and you can't do that anymore. So a lot of these old farmers go, Hey, I need you to put up fence, blah, blah, blah here. I go, what do you want it to look like? You know, how strong you want it to be this and that, how far are we go? And I, I need your parameters to actually give you an accurate quote. So I'm not just going to go, all right, well, we charge this per foot for everything. And that's not right. how it works. Uh, so yeah, yeah. Dig, no, I, yeah, definitely dig deeper. Nope, absolutely. So you said that you've got some full-time employees. Do you still have two guys full-time, or what's your team look like currently? Yeah, we're uh, two guys full-time right now. They're actually um, taking out hunters and picking them up right now. We uh, also run a commercial hunting ranch, so they're versatile. I, I use them for a lot of different things. <laughs> what's the name of your hunting ranch, in case anyone's interested? McKenna Ranch. McKenna Ranch. Yes, sir. All right. If you want more information yep. on McKenna Ranch, we'll put it in the show notes down below. That's why I'm in camo and orange hat. Yeah. I, I like it, man. I like it. <laughs> so I wish I had a job where I could bounce back and forth between hunting and working. That that wouldn't well, be it, that wouldn't be work at all. It's difficult during the week. Right now we got them during the week, but uh usually it's on the weekend. So right now we're doing fence and hunting. So got it. a little busy week. Nice, nice. So what are you currently doing now to get customers? Are you just re relying solely on word of mouth? Do you have a marketing strategy? Is there anything that you're doing that works for you? Um, right now, I'm actually slowing down on marketing. Uh, this is a personal thing. I, I'm deploying again soon. So I have to let my guys go eventually. Uh, I hate that because they've been with me for a long time. They're very trained, but I just don't have, um, it, it's too many variables to run that from overseas. Um, so I will let them go. I'll sell the skid steer, but I'm, I'm having to slow down. But previously, um, NRCS offices, I got really good with building government fences and 
and government water pads, stuff like that. So they do a lot of marketing for me, put my name in every single county, um, every county that I want to work in a lot. And guys come in, hey, I want to sign up for blah, blah, blah. They go, all right, here's a list of good contractors. And they usually have a little star beside mine. It says, this one, we'll get it done and get it done right. Uh, that, and then TikTok's a big one. Wouldn't believe it, but all the videos that I post on my page, um, a lot of people in the area watch it. So I get a lot of business off that. So wait a minute, then, wait a minute, uh, wait a minute. I got to pause. I have to pause. You install agricultural fence to landowners with more than an acre. Yeah. Typically farmers, correct? Yeah. And you're telling me you're driving business with TikTok? Yeah. That's yeah. baffling. That, that's baffling to me. I'll tell you one. I had, I bought 200 head of sheep and I was coming back from Tupelo, Mississippi with the sheep. Uh, had a hose blow on the truck. I was sitting there fixing it. The entire time I'm filming it, posting on TikTok throughout the day. Um, the guy I bought the sheep from, I get to the house. No, I hadn't even gotten to the house yet. He called me. He said, hey, man, you good? I said, yeah, buddy, what's up? He's like, well, I had a guy call me, 86-year-old man, call me and tell me that he saw me in a video of you loading sheep and you had broke down later on throughout the day. It's like, what? It's like, yeah, man. He said you broke down. I said, you said how old was he? Like 86 years old. Smashing videos on TikTok. Unbelievable. Right. So it's not just a young kid's platform. Man, you're you're gonna make me re reevaluate my marketing strategy. So man. I don't see why you're not on it already. I know. It's the Chinese. <laughs> it's the Chinese. <laughs> yeah. Um, so I, I have a I have a sheep story. This is way off topic, but I feel like it's something quite humorous. So I was traveling for when I worked in the manufacturing side of skid steer attachments, I was traveling mm -hmm. down to meet a dealer in, in Southern Louisiana. And I did a, a stopover. And I think it was Jackson, Mississippi. Yeah. And I stopped there. We're at a bar. And we're talking. And there's this guy and he just looks like somebody had kicked his dog. And he's sitting at the <laughs> bar and we're, we start talking. And he tells me the story that like him and his mom went and picked up sheep. They had him in the back of the pickup and they had like the wire grates around it to keep him in the, in the back pickup truck. Yeah. And the guy, and they says, yeah, we're heading down the interstate last night. And this guy comes up next to us, just slamming on the horn and pointing at the truck. And I'm like, what's going on? I look back there. All the sheep were on fire. His mom was smoking through the cigarette out the window. The wind put the cigarette into the sheep pen and it burnt all the sheep in the back of his truck. Oh my gosh. I, That's I was, crazy. I, yeah. I was like, well, this is obviously a true story because I can't see any sadistic person making this up. Well, I mean, they do catch fire really well because overseas, when one dies, They'll just light it on fire. Yeah. It is it is a very different culture over there. It is extremely weird, but yeah. Yeah. So so what, what branch of the service are you in? I'm in the Mississippi Army National Guard. Uh been in for 10 years now and part of the uh our armored combat team. So I enjoy it. A lot of fun. 
Fantastic. Do you plan on staying with that and getting and retiring from that down the road? I mean, you've got 10 years in already. I'm sure you could stop signing contracts at any time. Uh, yes, I would love to stay in forever because have you seen health insurance for a uh, business owner? Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, I plan to stay in purely for the benefits. So let me ask you this question then. You're getting ready to like literally close your business down for a deployment. Yeah. And you want to stay in the military to retire in there. So how do you rebuild that business not to just close it again in the future? Like how, what's your process to actually have a sustainable business that's going to allow you to be deployed? I am going to try to stay extremely active uh, by reposting old videos, um, reposting old, old content. So to let people know, hey, we're still out there, but... We're currently not taking any bids, this and that. Um, just most of the customers I deal with know what I do, so they shouldn't take it that hard. Um, but hopefully my quality speaks for me and they say, well, I'll just wait till he gets back for this fence. But you did all this work getting these two full-time employees, training them getting them to be great employees. Now you're going to have to let them go. They're obviously going to go find work with somebody else. Yeah. Your deployment's going to end. You come back. You're probably going to reinvest in equipment. And yes. now you got to start that whole training process over with either those same guys or new guys. What happens yeah. the next time you get deployed? I don't know. I, I've been trying to move to a non-deployable unit. Um, uh, say units that stay in the state. Uh, there are such units as emergency units that only deploy in country. Uh, so they'll go to DC or they'll go to the border or whatever, but they're in country and shorter periods of time. So you're not as um, out of pocket. Mm -hmm. But I mean, I've been gone for, two months before a month here, month here, um, and, and, and dealt with it. So it's not extremely hard. I've been building up to this longer, uh, exodus, but, um, how long is this deployment for nine months to a year? Uh, that's about how we were last time. So I'm not really sure. Yeah. I don't give you much information. So, right. But so it's, this is long enough that you can't justify holding on to the equipment and paying all those payments. Right. I mean, I make enough to pay the payments and do great. It's just, um, it'd be more profitable to just sell her back to someone. Uh, I mean, doing fencing, you have a lot of hours on it, but it's hours of sitting there beating in post. I mean, you're not sitting there mulching 24 seven. So it's, it's easy hours. I can sell the machine fairly easy do well with it and uh, move on. Yeah. But my biggest dilemma right now is do I want to get that exact same machine or cut mulching completely out and just do ag fencing because there's machines out there that are same price or higher that are so specialized that I could cut it down to one person, me. That's it, building fence. 
do you know your numbers right now for your business? Like how much, what percentage of work do, are you doing that's fencing? What percentage of work is mulching? Yeah, uh, right now we're about 70, 30. So you still see so 30, 30% of your business is mulching? Yeah. And that mulching that you're doing, is that, how, what percentage of the customers you do that for are people you've built a fence for? Probably 50, 50 right now. I'd about say 50, that. Is, yeah. Most most of my mulching customers are new, but then I run back and do a lot of fence line clearing or mulching new areas for fence for future fence. Yeah. <clears throat> I'm a big believer in finding a niche and becoming yeah. like the the domain authority in that niche in your area for that. And like for you, it sounds like agricultural fencing would definitely be that. And building a business around agricultural fencing and making yourself the the go-to company in the area for agricultural fencing and promoting it that way, very, very wise decision. Yeah. Um, I'm also a big believer in finding ways to get more business from existing customers. And if you're doing 30% of your business through mulching, just because you're not advertising and being the mulching guy in your area you're still servicing a need for customers. Yeah. And and it keeps you top of mind because that agricultural fence, what's the lifespan of an agricultural fence? The way I build it, it should be easily 20 years. 20 years. Really? It should be longer than that. But, uh, but at yeah. your age, every fence you install has the, has the probability of another install down the road. Yeah. Way down the road, but yeah. Right. But, but again, like, so your lifetime value of that customer could be double or triple of what the fence install was if you maintain a relationship with that customer over the next 20 years. So right. to me, what, are that, the, what, what are the sticky services you can do over the next 20 years to make sure spraying. you get that next fence, fence install? Yep. Spraying, mulching, um, anything that really is related to ag fence that's what but, we do a lot of water pads so yeah yeah but as you're looking at the direction to take your business it's if you want to get rid of the mulching for a while that's fine but i don't i don't think long term that's probably the wisest thing to not have the ability to do either and even if it's brush cutting instead of mulching like hey we don't do anything larger than three or four inch and you get into more of the brush cutting land clearing fence clearing all that, at least you you have these services that your existing customers need. Yeah. I tell everybody, look at every job you've done this year. Go look at, go think about the properties. What else could you have upsold them? Or what other services are they going to need next year? Because it's going to be a lot easier, especially if everyone's worried about this recession and economic downturn. Finding people you already have a relationship takes step one out of the process because step one is building trust with your customers so that they even feel comfortable doing business with you. Yeah. So if you're going to go back to a customer you've already done work for, step one's already completed. So we've just cut down the process to get more work. And now I've, I've just... been, been diligent on staying. Uh, I would say it's, it's, <sighs> term is uh when you call someone back you check back up on them yeah just follow up follow up that's it i will follow up weeks months after anything hey man how's it going do you need anything not that i'm per se looking for work i'm just making sure that they're happy with the product and yep. usually within two weeks after that follow-up there's more work that follows up with that follow-up 
Yeah. For instance, we work with a guy in Georgia and he does 90% land clearing. Yeah. So, but what he, what he's finding now is he's getting a lot of the home builders have built these homes on larger lots. Mm-hmm. And, the, and after the homes are built, the homeowners wanting part of the forest removed to expand their backyard because it wasn't in yeah. the original build. So yeah. he's now doing some, not a, not a massive amount, but he's doing some residential land clearing on these larger property lots. So what he's found is he walks the property and he's like, hey, you don't have your downspouts trenched in. While I'm here, I've got all my equipment here. I can do that. And it'll only cost an extra $1,800. And they're like, yeah, add it on. So, but he, but, but again, it's recognizing on the property areas that you could also offer that. And whether they take it at that time or it's something that you can follow up on later, like, hey, I saw that creek you got there. You really need a culvert for that driveway. And I don't want to do that in there. And then after a big rainstorm, you go, hey, I just want to check in, make sure your driveway survived. And, and now you can maintain that relationship. And he thinks you're doing him a favor by staying on top of it, which you are, but you're also looking out for your best interest, which is securing more work and keeping your business viable. So every fence I go to, no matter what, I take the mulcher. It doesn't matter if they said no to something. When they see it on the trailer, I may get one or two hours in on most jobs that I wouldn't have had previously, that's still three, 400 bucks in my pocket that I wasn't going to have. Yeah. I love it. Yeah. I love it. Um, yeah. So you're, you're getting ready to deploy and God, what ironically, it's like, God, the timing's not bad. Like if, if, they, if everyone's going to tighten up and stop spending money, although you do a lot of government subsidized money, it sounds like through, through that. Yeah. Um, yeah. So if you were staying here, and not being deployed, and you're looking to expand and grow your business, what would your outlook be for the coming 2023, and what direction would you be guiding your business in? Uh, I would add another business, um, you know, start another company to offer a service that wouldn't really be tied in with land management. Because I we do hunting, there are other things that I can do. So, my grandfather always said, 10 poles in the water to catch one fish. He was always like diversify, diversify, diversify. Because he was in timber, cattle, oil. Three things that are big market. They go up and down all the time. So he made sure if something went down, he'd still have something hopefully up. Um, so you've probably seen it, but there's a guy out there uh, selling drone recovery service uh for deer for the deer that is awesome i said hey baby what do you think about this and she's like hey it sounds like a good idea and to me they're charging 150 200 an hour I, i really don't know but most guys are charging that for brush clearings and they're spending a hundred thousand dollars to make that 150 an hour when you could spend 15 to 20 to make that 150 an hour Hey, that's, a, that's a return a lot faster. I don't know what size drone you need, but you could get it. You could get a really nice drone for thirty five hundred bucks. Yeah. Well, so the his is thermal, so that's the mm. that's the big the money thermal. right there. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that's the kicker. Okay. Yeah, I love that. It's I I do find that like finding some other areas to do that and how to incorporate that with you as well too. So. Yeah. Well, that's awesome, man. Um, I've, I've been lucky enough to train the guys so well that once we get the equipment there, I do the estimates, 
get material there. They can build it by themselves, and I can go do other stuff, go quote, estimate, whatever, or run another business if I needed to. Right. How did you train your employees for that? Like, do you have a, did you have a process? Did you take the information and the, and the way you learned from the military and implement some of that strategy into training and nurturing your employees? Probably subconsciously I did. I didn't really mean to maybe, but um, it seems like they learn best hands-on. So I will do something, I'll let them watch it, and then I want them to do it a bunch. And then I will question them about it a lot. So we're say we're building braces. Hey man, what does that need to look like? They'll look at it for a second. Oh, it needs to be like bam, 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 bam. And I go, yes, you're right. Or no, you're wrong. And then let's do it the right way. And let me show you how to do it that way. Mm-hmm. Uh, just spending time with them. You can't expect to throw somebody out there and know what they're doing right off the bat. No, I agree with that a lot. And so we did, we, we, the guys we work with do the same thing. You bring them in, you show them, you let them get their hands dirty, you double check it, you check on them quite frequently, even if you give them a little time by themselves. And then as that maturation process grows, and like, so as you taking on a new job now, I, I would have recommended three months ago take a guy with you to go, Hey, how would you lay this out? What material do we need? Where, how does this look? So he can say, Oh, I would do it this way. And you could say, well, that's absolutely right. Or you could say, I get why you do it that way, but this would actually be more efficient. And what you do is you start training their brain to think the way you want them to think. So that after 60 days of them having to think about the layout or having to think about the process or having to think about the steps, now they understand and learn how you want it done and it just becomes the whole team starts thinking that way and, the, and that's when you can really make some traction yeah i've got one he's been with me for now the full three years he's my first guy he's still with me and i go i want it done the way i want it done you know i, I actually i go do it the way I, I want it done and he's like gotcha he knows exactly the way i'm going to think about it and he does it that way yeah. And there's no, there's no shortcuts. There's no, well, F it. I'm going to do it this way. No, he does it the right way. Let me give you one small tip. If you're open for this. Go ahead. I, I understand what you're saying. Do it the way I want it done. What you're actually doing there is you're creating a divide between yourself and your employees subconsciously. Okay. Because it's the way I want it done. Not the way we do it. So because your company's because your company is called Warrior Land Land Management, I would recommend you start calling it do it the warrior way because they're part <laughs> of the warrior team. Yeah. Now they can start buying in on the process of how to do it and start taking ownership in that process and saying, "Hey, this is how I do it" in their own mind because they're part of the warrior team instead of you separating it and saying, "Don't do it your way, do it my way." Create an our way. This is how warrior does it yeah yeah when i sent him he had to go do a job by himself one time completely by himself um no equipment it was just extremely steep uh really wet area just couldn't do anything with any equipment um and he did a great job customer was very happy and he was just like i just remembered the way we always do it and i did it it turned out right. And the customer called me after it was done. He said, Hey man, that little guy's a worker. He, 
he did great job. He worked every day, super hard. Looks great. So thank you, man. He's, I'm proud of him. <laughs> nice. Nice. Yeah. But everything you should, everything you do and everything, the way you word it should always be focused on team and culture. Yeah. And creating a unifying moment. So yeah. Having, having a way that the business does it versus the way the owner does it allows them to buy into it because they're already part of the business. Yeah. I've, I've noticed over the years now I've uh, changed the way I post on Facebook instead of I did something we go, we knocked out blah, 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 or, or the guys did this, 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 yeah. you know, make sure that they have that recognition. Cause yes, you do work better as a team. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Benjamin, this has been a great conversation, man. I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's always fun for me to see younger guys take the risk and go into business <laughs> instead of, instead of just enjoying your twenties. Cause I, took that path. I just enjoyed my twenties. So congrats well, on all of that. Go ahead. It, it seems like everyone, they always go, they work for somebody for, for their twenties or thirties. And then when they're like 35, that's when they start a business. And I just kind of want to do take the plunge. I knew it was going to be extremely difficult with basically no financial backing and it, it's done well. Um, but I didn't want to wait till I was 35 to do something of myself and make my, myself happy. You know? Nope. Good for you. I mean, th there's no better way to learn than by doing. And that's what I recommend anyone do. And, and if you can't figure it out, always find somebody, there's always somebody in your network that you can call for advice, whether it's actually doing the work or businessing on the back business on the backside of that, or specific areas of accounting and all that. We're just afraid to ask for help most of the time. Uh, we don't even yeah, know the right yeah. questions to ask. So we just don't ask about any questions. So being young, my biggest advice to you is always find, surround yourself with good supporting people. Yeah. You're the sum of the five people you hang out with the most. So if you're hanging out with guys that are janitors and stay up till three in the morning playing video games, you will start to erode and become that. <laughs> um, that, I, I couldn't do that, man. <laughs> no, me neither. But just, it's just that's a good example for that I always like to use. So you're the sum of the five yeah. people you spend around with. And if you're the smartest person in the room, you're in the wrong room. Go, go yeah. learn, go learn from somebody. Definitely. So, well, well, Benjamin, man, best of luck to you for when do you deploy? May, roughly May, May. June. Well, I hope that you fill your coffers between now and May and that you just crush it out of the park and you and your guys make a bunch of money and, you set that family of yours up to uh, enjoy some time while you're away. I know it's going to be tough with a little one at home. It's probably the first yeah. time that you've deployed with that. So hope you it guys. Is. Yeah. Yeah. I wish you guys the best of luck with all of that. And thanks so much for being on the show today. Oh, thank you, man. I very much appreciate it. And uh, if you ever need anything, give me a holler. I sure will. 